Welcome to the 34th episode of the Game 4 Podcast. In this episode, still recording from home, we'll be talking about getting started in 3D printing in tabletop gaming. I'm Adam. I'm Matt. And uh, we're part of Game 4. Uh, we're, this is the Game 4 Podcast for connecting tabletop gamers and for helping people get into the uh, tabletop gaming hobby. We kind of talk about all different aspects of it from the... Uh, uh, board gaming side, the collectible card game side, the role-playing game side, and the uh, tabletop wargaming miniatures side. Uh, all aspects of tabletop gaming and how to get into it. That's what we like to talk about here on the Game 4 podcast. Um, and we've been doing stuff in our own personal lives, gaming-wise, since the last show a fortnight ago. Uh, Matt, what kind of stuff have you been doing? Um, well, no no updates on the Imperial Assault uh, D&D campaigns uh, mm-hmm. this time. Just holiday weekend and every, and going back to school uh, for kids, it kind of killed that. So um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, so, so far nothing with that. Um, mm-hmm. But I did start playing um, a new board game, which actually has been a while since I've played a new board game. Um, uh, Power Rangers uh, Heroes of the Grid. Mm-hmm. From, uh, from uh, Renegade Grid. Games? Yeah, Renegade Games. Um, not a game I would have probably picked off the shelf. I was a little bit older at the time for Power Rangers. My brother and sister, I think, were about the right age, but I was a little bit old for it. So, Mm -hmm. um, but holy cow, uh, I was not expecting to like it as much as I do. And I really like it. Um, I've played, uh, several games now, um, played the first game with, uh, game for Jason. So, uh, Jason that works with us and, uh, then uh, brought it with us to our family vacation over this uh, holiday weekend um, in the States. Um, and we played it there with the kids and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, And so it, you guys were explaining it to me. It's I didn't realize this. It's kind of a co-op style game and it's sort of yeah. a tower defense for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the nice thing. I love playing co-op with uh, family because then I don't feel like I'm destroying them i can actually right, feel right. like i can game <laughs> um and this is a tough game too like i have yet to win um mm. so i mean i'm probably not doing it super well but i thought i was doing okay but so yeah, it's it, a co-op game these are still just one winner or is it that the, all the players win or else the board yeah wins? it's the, the players win so like power rangers mm. versus the bad guys and like even stuff that i'm remembering from the shows i'm like oh, okay yeah this makes sense of how the show like the theme was really well brought into it. And then, mm-hmm. um, like, the actual gameplay. I mean, it t- it's some good strategy. Like, um, my family and I were struggling, and we even tried it on, like, a slightly easier version. And it still wasn't super easy for us to, like, destroy stuff. Um, yeah. A lot of, like, uh, risk versus reward, man- you know, item management and, and stuff. So, yeah. like, And they've made a zillion expansions for it haven't they yeah yeah and i just saw that they've got like a whole bunch more coming out next month and Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of crazy that's cool yeah yeah the the Um, the stuff i've seen of it like the artwork and all that kind of stuff like again i was a little too old for the show as well but just like i know there's a bunch of comic books and things like that that are based off of it now and they're able to use a lot of the artwork from that and i it looks amazing as far as the, the the visuals and stuff like that I don't know that I've ever played a tower defense board game. I've played them, you know, like phone games or, you know, computer games, but I've never played one I don't think is a board game. So I'm not completely familiar with what that's all about, but it sounds really kind of interesting. And I think that the co-op thing also, you're right. Like, especially if you're playing with a group, um, I've got a friend who's got a gaming group and he's always looking for co-op games because if you make a game, it's not co-op, 
then somebody gets their nose out of joint because they're losing or they feel like they're getting picked on. But when you're all working together, it, it works a lot better. So yeah, yeah. I see that. Right, because then it's like if somebody's particularly not doing well, and they're like, "You're like, oh, the game's really screwing you up," you know? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. You can blame the game and not the not right. your friends. That makes sense, exactly. absolutely. And then, uh, what other kind of stuff have you been doing besides um, playing that game? That's been pretty much it. I've been printing up some more characters, uh, like uh, figures and stuff for D and D, mostly, um, and doing some some more modeling. But yeah, not a, a ton more um, outside of that. Yeah, I've been pretty busy. So, uh, how about you, though? Well, uh, I'm still working on my Nurgle Warband for Warcry, uh, and I own the thing. It the reason it's taken so long is because I only paint them basically six hours a week, uh, and mm -hmm. I'm painting them on Twitch. So I paint them on Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Central for three hours, and then uh, Monday nights at 7 p.m. Central for three hours. And while I'm painting, I'm also um, uh, chatting a lot because people are asking questions and stuff like that. And there's people watching and, and whatnot. So it's not um, a particularly quick process because I'm, I'm, whether I'm answering questions about those models or answering questions about paint and brushes and all kinds of different things. Um, and so that's kind of the point. It's not the point to like fire through these projects super crazy quickly. It's right. the point to uh, hopefully be somewhat entertaining and answer some questions and things like that on, on Twitch and, and, you know, get people involved and get people into the hobby. Um, so that's helpful. But yeah, so they're they're getting closer. Um, I did finally start working on some skin um, lesions, for lack of a better word. The Nurgle guys are um, pretty uh, kind of falling apart. You know, they've got Nurgle in in Age of Sigmar has got a lot of um, just ickiness, a lot of disease and, and yeah, skin boils, bumps and yeah. boils and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. So I started working on some of that. Um, but, uh, you know, I've gotten, I'm getting pretty close on them. I'm at least, I'm going to say at least three quarters there, if not a little bit further along. Oh, well, the thing is, though, is that there's five guys in that group. And then there's also this one okay. big guy who rides a bug and I've barely touched him. He's like uh, primed and I've done some base coating. So okay. I really need to get on him too. But the other five guys are at least three quarters done. So there's that. Um, and then as far as side projects, things I'm not doing on stream, which means I can usually do them a bit quicker while like listening to a podcast or listening to an audiobook or something like that. Uh, there's this set that Games Workshop came out with a terrain set called the Battle Sanctum, which has got this gorgeous, humongous statue of a, okay. a kind of like a Sisters of Battle. And she's but she's got like wings. I think it's supposed to be Celestine, who's one of the heroes of the um, Sisters of Battle. That's the like kind of female space marine sort of. And um so I painted, I built her and then um, there was a bunch of gaps I kind of had to try to fill, which I was pseudo successful on. And uh, then I cleaned it all up and, or I primed it and everything. It kind of a, I wanted to go like a sandstone look and I did some real subtle washes that I kind of blended with some different mediums so they wouldn't be too dark. And I actually tried a bunch of different techniques and, and even some edge highlighting and stuff. And that's, so that's done. It just needs a varnish, but um, that, that's, that's cool. I, um, I'll probably put some pictures of it on Instagram once I get it varnished. Very and cool. then um, Reaper Bones, you're familiar with Reaper Bones. Yep. They have a line called Reaper Bones Black, which is not the white, kind of slightly mm -hmm. softer, bendier. It's a, like a little bit stiffer, but not like as hard as, say, like Games Workshop style um, right, plastic. Right, but it's plastic, yeah. But it's yeah. There, there, yeah. It's pretty stiff, though. It's pretty rigid, so it's, it's nice. And... Um, uh, 
there's this one model that I just came across. Somebody else was like working on it on something I was watching on YouTube or I was flipping through Instagram. I don't know. And I saw this model and I was like, whoa, that guy's super cool. I need to get me one of those. And he is called a maggot crown ogre juggernaut, which I can literally only remember if I write it down or, or put it on a screen or something like that. It's just the weirdest name, but um, it's a, just a super cool model. He's just like this huge kind of ogre in like full plate. And he's just massive. And then he like he has an ogre face, but it's just an ogre skull. Like, I don't know where his skin went. I don't know what the story is. So he's just got like, like an ogre skull coming out of this massive plate mail. He's got a huge giant club. And um, so mm. I had primed him several months ago with a bad can of uh, rattle can primer. And then he got all fuzzy oh. and then I had to strip it. I had to strip the primer off. And then I went and primed him again with the airbrush later on and um, then also airbrushed silver. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been basically kind of speed painting him, but I really like how he's turning out. Um, and then another side project is the Indominus box set that Games Workshop sent out uh, to me and to other uh, content creators. Uh, they released it at the end of July. Uh, it's got a bunch of Necron stuff in it. And I painted up a bunch of Necron stuff on my Twitch, but I also, there was some stuff I just didn't use on Twitch, but I built it. Uh, from the Necron side, and I'm going to use it for mm. something else. But I'm kit bashing. It's this big, tall kind of War of the Worlds sort of looking robot. So the three legs, he's oh, got yeah, four, yeah, yeah. but he's real tall. Yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about, yeah. So I've, I, I've um, modified him and, and put a lot of bones and skulls and all kinds of stuff over him, and I'm painting him all different and nice. you know, modified him quite a bit. Um, so that guy's getting along pretty well. And then lastly... Um, Another side project that I finished, which was uh, these these old school metal models from a company called Pig Iron Productions. Uh, it's they're called the mm -hmm. Colony Colony Militia is what they are, and they're kind of pseudo sci fi. Um, every every person's carrying at least like six or seven pouches. I don't know what's with all the pouches, but there's a lot of pouches. They like that, and uh, so they're kind of just kind of cool models that are. I mean, they're not. They're not computer sculpted. You can tell they're hand sculpted and whatever, but they're, they're okay. still they got a lot of character. And so I really quickly speed painted them mostly with um, contrast colors. And then last week, Saturday, Friday or Saturday, I um, uh, took them to, to my studio and I set up a bunch of lights and terrain and stuff and took a bunch of kind of fancy pictures of them like in, you know, like like on a game board. So they look like they're not just like on a background, you know, it looks like they're right, right, right. in the world. And uh, put those up on Instagram as well. And so that was a lot of fun. But Very cool. Yeah. So that's kind of where that's at. Nice. Um, but I've also, like recently when I was on um, Twitch, I was like this most uh, most recent episode on Monday night. Um, I had a bunch of people ask about 3D printing. And mm -hmm. I had some 3D printed stuff on my desk uh, to show them a little bit. And um, it made me think that this would be not a bad idea to talk about. Uh, because there was a lot of questions. And I think that there's probably a lot of questions out there in our listening audience, people who are interested in, in 3D printing. Is, is it something that they should get into? You know, what do you do with it? How expensive right. is it? All kinds of different problems. And um, you've become kind of, I think, in our group, probably the more 3D printing expert on uh, on stuff. Uh, you know, yeah. I own a 3D I, printer, but you own multiple 3D printers uh, of multiple yeah. types. So, I'm, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, I think I'm a habit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it does. It becomes a secondary hobby, which is something we also probably should talk about. But um, so for people that are completely unaware, like what does 3D printing, what does that mean? What does it right. do? So yeah, 3D printing is also called like additive manufacturing. 
So mm-hmm. other, you know, like if you think of like a CNC machine, uh, like a laser guy, stuff like that, you're taking a big piece of, of material and you're cutting that down. Mm-hmm. Um, additive processing, you're basically starting with nothing and then slowly adding material to it to build what you want. Um, and there's basically a, for cause at least at the consumer level, like we're going to try not to go to the like here's for fifty thousand dollars what you could you know some of the cool stuff right, that they yeah. are doing now. Um, but generally, when people are talking about consumer level three D printing, they're talking about two types: uh, FDM, uh, which is usually like a filament uh, printer. Um, mm-hmm. Think of it kind of like a special like a three D CNC machine with a hot glue gun attached to it. So it's melting right. the filament. And then uh, spreading that around and, and as Squirting it, it around. through a, through a tiny yeah. little nozzle. And there's a kind, and of, kind of robot arm that laser, kind of yeah. moves it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you've got your stepper motors that move it around and then slowly builds up layer after layer after layer. And mm-hmm. depending on the quality, you know, you've got you know, thinner layers, so you have more detail. And that goes, you know, and then it builds it up from there. So that's kind of... Yeah, it's it's building it slice by slice by slice. you got to... Uh, it's Eiffel Tower. It starts out doing the four feet, and then it works that kind of slowly up until it gets to the middle part, and then it yep. goes all the way. Then it'll do like a little squirt here, a little squirt here, a little squirt uh, around the four mm-hmm. corners, and then yeah, just kind of builds it up out of there. Um, right. The other uh, one that's fairly common now is uh, UV resin printing, which is basically it's kind of like a, like a cat scan layers. So think of a almost like a like a mini TV or a cell phone si- size LCD that flashes a CAT scan of that layer. So it's usually, you know, one, you know, one color. Um, so but it's it like in the bottom of the vat, right? Right. Like there's so a vat of resin and it's got a clear yeah, bottom pour, to it. Yep. And you pour in all your, your, your liquid resin into that. Mm-hmm. And then it shines the light up for that layer. And for a certain set time that will set that, cause that, that uh, like, mil, you know, fraction of a millimeter uh, yeah, layer thin. to cure and then it basically then lifts it up uh, lets more resin get underneath it closes it back, you know puts it back down and then it's every, everything's it. upside down in resin right yeah so it prints and, and it kind of pulls it out right whereas like I, when you're using the FDM the filament printer you're starting from the bottom and usually building as you get taller and things are right side right. up whereas resins upside down where there's the plate that's actually pulling it slowly out of the resin vat, but the light, the light keeps shining from the underneath to show like each slice. And then you pull this upside down thing out. And then, yeah. so yeah, it's really interesting to watch like um, time lapses and stuff like that, you know, where you yeah, see and it's it weird happen really quickly. And, and usually with the UV ones, you'll see like they're usually like a red or a green or an orange kind of like semi-transparent cover. And that's usually a UV resistant cover to keep, you know, outside light from, Accidentally, you know, flood the, of flashing in. On the 3D yeah, printer itself, you mean it's got like yeah. windows that are a certain color to block out UV light. Yeah, because yeah, otherwise your resin would get hard. Like if you had it near a window, I suppose your resin would get hard like right there in the vat. You don't want that. Yeah, you get light bleed. And then and then usually when you're done with that, uh, unlike the filament where you just kind of wait for it to cool off and you take it off the plate, mm-hmm. uh, you then have to kind of wash it off to get all the uncured resin off of it. Um, and there's a whole process to that. Uh, sometimes with water, you know, there's, there, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but there, you can do it with water, but usually you're using like an alcohol, IPA alcohol bath and, alcohol, yeah. and then putting it under like a UV light, uh, or out in the sun to 
fully cure the resin hard because it's still kind of soft when it comes out. Right. So the, it's the UV light that's what causes the resin, the fluid resin, to turn into a solid. And to make sure that it is totally cured at the end, after you've cleaned it all off, you need to either put it in one of those UV light kind of chambers, or if you mm -hmm. live someplace that's real nice and bright outside, you can set it out on your picnic table, I suppose, as long as the squirrels don't steal it. And then uh, that kind of light can also help. Yeah, I know the squirrels. Exactly. I, I, we've had squirrels. squirrels steal all of our tomatoes uh, this year. So that's been fun. Oh, and we only yeah. have the one tomato plant, but still they've been, I think they've been trying to get water out of them. I don't know, but all the tomatoes are all gone. Huh. Anyway. Our, we, have, um, we have rabbits. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, uh, I, I'm We've got sure a fence, but, but now, but once the plants started getting too big and started going outside the garden fence, they would try to nibble and get some green beans and stuff like that. Sure. Should 3D print like a nice lattice to put over the edge of the fence so they can't get in there. That would be Could a do big that. lattice. That we all, yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of the yeah. Basic so those are the thing. two types of home printing. There are also three D printers that use a super crazy fine layer of um, like nylon powder, and then a laser burns each layer, and it's kind of like yeah. it's sort of like resin, but a little different, and, and all that stuff. But those are those are like yeah, those are the machines where you're looking at twenty to fifty thousand um, dollars. At least but, now, because I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said. Now, 20 yeah. years ago were 20 to $50,000 I mean, machines too. So form labs, form labs does have a, what they call technically a home system. It's just that it costs 20 grand, but it's the entire, it's the printer. It's the machine to reclaim all the powder that didn't get used. And then you can recycle it back into the other machine. And it's like some other sort of other machine that it's a whole, it's a whole system. And I watched a video about it once, which is the only reason I was like, I'm like, hmm, that's yeah. interesting. They're like, well, it's only 20 grand. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> that's not good. And just this weekend, I think it was just this weekend that Elegoo just announced or just released their new print, wash, and curing station. That oh, you basically take the, yeah, you take the build plate. It, it fits the same build plate, and mm -hmm. so you just unscrew your build plate like you normally would to take it off to peel everything. But it then fits perfectly into this next machine. You tighten it back down, and then it dips it back and forth to wash it, and then kind of brings it up and. And I don't know if it rotates it. I would hope it rotates it somehow. But then it, it rotates, or the light might rotate. Oh, maybe I that's suppose. how it's doing. Because yeah, it, yeah, it does have like a wall of lights and stuff to to do it, and then it, but it's supposed to do everything all at once. That's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, yeah, and it's like one hundred twenty I mean, bucks only. So we're still in the situation of everything being still pretty new in this technology. I mean, mm -hmm. like. A resin printer, like we're talking about these slightly fancier, higher detail resin printers, where they pull the stuff out of the goo, those were $5,000 five years ago, if not even yeah. four years ago. Right. And it's only in the last three years, two years, that resin printers have gotten to the point where they're, I mean, somebody told me in the in the in the, my, my Twitch chat yesterday, somebody told me, uh, I was talking about resin printers and how they can be, you know, four or 500 bucks. And one guy's like, well, I just saw one recently that was under $200. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's just I crazy. Any the any phobic uh, or whatever. Yeah, it's under two hundred now. Yeah, any cubic maybe. Any cubic, yes, that one. Any cubic and any frozen cubic are two separate companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, what kind of stuff do you print though when you're printing stuff? You know, like, what do you for for gaming? Like, there's a lot of people who are in gaming who like three D printing just because I think that there's a Venn diagram that has a lot of overlap there just for right people. But like, what type of stuff do you generally kind of print? I mean. Especially for like the filament, I mean, it really, you can build whatever you want to, as long as it fits on that size. 
And mm -hmm. if you're using kind of a standard size, like a 200 by 200 or so millimeter or larger base, um, a lot of your models and stuff are going to be kind of set up to be on that size. Mm -hmm. I mean, sky is kind of the limit to based on your like uh, um, your need. Yeah, and sure. what kind of models you, you want to find. Uh, and use. I mean, like, and it's not but, just for people who are into miniatures, right? Like, it's not just for like, you know, right, you and like, me, like, if you are talking about pieces, exactly. Yeah, like, like if you've got some sort of board game, and the cards always get squirrely in the box and get all over the place, you could just bought you could, you know, design or somebody out there probably yeah. has already made that shape that you just and it's called an STL file, the, 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 the computer file that you need to then print from is called an STL file. Yep. And so um, you just need to get access to the STL file and then you have to yeah. slice it using a piece of software that's designed for your printer and then send it to the printer. So right. yeah, there's a lot of things out there for board gaming. Um, I'm sure I know I've seen 3D printed um, like deck boxes for like magic, you know, those types of games, you know. Um, but generally it is more for uh, for the most part miniatures and you know and also D, D type of games rpgs if you want if you play with miniatures with your rpgs um, yeah so more of the the physical looking yeah. ones i mean magic you could do some uh, there's some cool counters and card holders and and deck things that you could do um mm -hmm. but yeah those are the main ones uh board games you could do uh, like uh a lot of people are using them to kind of enhance their games like uh i'm seeing some beautiful stuff uh, just you know like sellers of Catan, even though probably half yeah, the board gamers are there. Like, but I mean, I've seen a lot of really cool, really cool three D printed sellers of Catan pieces, so that you've got the whole actual three dimensional like board with the different stuff and everything. Yeah, yeah, and there's people out there that are doing like Gloomhaven, like all the pieces that are currently cardboard, doing it mm -hmm. so you can three D print all the pieces. Or uh, Imperial Assault, we were doing like there's the cardboard um, little tokens for like. Um, um, uh, the mod not modules, but like access consoles. Mm -hmm. um, and one of uh, our friends, he three, he found 3D printed versions. And so we have like full size that stand up next to the models and stuff. And it really so it's not just a little more. cardboard chip next to the model that has like a access point or computer. Yeah, console. it's, it's an actual 3D thing. Nice. Yep, the doors are 3D printed and even have like the slide out. So that was the doors open or closed. You can take that in and out. And mm -hmm. And then, so like we said, like obviously, if you're into uh, terrain for whether it's your um, like you know buildings for for wargaming, or uh, there's tons of companies out there that are making these STL files that are modular for like dungeons. Like if you want to build a dungeon, you can yep. print all the tiles, and then they snap together with these little clips, and then you can paint them, and then have this crazy modular dungeon that you and your friends can play D and D in and move the figures through and say, okay, well, I'm over here. I'm this far away from that guy and this, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And those look amazing. And there's tons and tons of different companies out there making them. And some of them even have like spaces for you to put led lights in them. So you can make the torches twinkle and all kinds of stuff. It's just astounding the amount of work that people are putting into it and the benefit to it to some degree, frankly, is that you can buy the stuff relatively inexpensively because there's no shipping, there's no manufacturing. You just get a file and then you do all right. the manufacturing on your side. And yeah, so, you're buying and shipping the material or like for me, I just found a local uh, company that does uh, filament. So I don't even have yeah. to ship filament if I don't want to. Yeah, no, that was very, that was very cool as well. Um, so yeah, the FDM, yeah. the filament stuff is better for bigger 
uh, terrain Large style island. items yeah. and things like that. Yeah, but yeah, it's not I mean, so great can, for little people. You can do them, um, but yeah, they're not going to come out like you know great quality. Um, mm-hmm. You can do some stuff to help it a little better. You can really fidate, you know uh, play around with it to use a smaller nozzle and you know small you know lower things to get a lot better. But you're, mm-hmm. it's still not going to be quite as nice. Um, as like the UV resin, the UV resin ones are, I mean, they're yeah. basically naked, naked eye quality. You're, yeah. You're not going to be able to I, I've seen a lot of like, well, I own some UV resin stuff now where I'm looking at it with a very critical eye. I'm looking very closely at it and I'm barely able to see any kind of little striations or layers. And part of that with resin, at least, is the way that the model is sort of oriented. You don't just let, lay them down flat you know, on the, the plate and just go, I'm going to print it that way. From what I've been reading recently, the best thing you do is you kind of tilt them at an angle and frequently with the face pointing up because then. Yeah. Nothing the, sticks out of their face. Right. And the way that you, you, if you take these models, when they have parts that hang out and go out over a big distance, you have these right. things called supports and the software automatically can put in the little supports. Well, you have to cut the supports away after you're done printing, whether it's for, 3D printing like filament stuff or whether it's resin, right? But you don't want those, you don't want to have to pull that stuff away from the face because then you have these little extra little pieces where it was kind of connected. It's almost like perforated to some degree, at least, well, yeah. not so much maybe with <laughs> resin, but with um, like with uh, uh, FDM, I know that there's basically, you can just pull it off usually. Yeah. And, and the resin, is, is, it depends on if you're doing it before or after you cure. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically try to do it before I cure because it's softer and usually mm-hmm. it comes off fairly smooth mm-hmm. um but the disadvantage there is because it's not fully cured the models are pretty fragile and i've yeah. definitely have broken some um sure. taking that off so there's times when i'll cure it with it on or if like i'm shipping it to somebody i usually keep them on just to give it a little bit more rigidity to it um yeah but yeah for the most that part, person you can... can cut off the the supports and all that stuff exactly. and it's on it's on them and then uh, yeah and there's there's a whole bunch of style to how do you do your supports and where you do your supports and how strong Nuance. you need the supports and so mm-hmm. oh, it's yeah it's it, it, I still cursed it I lost a print last night a little piece uh, pulling out of the resin it was flat enough it must have created a little bit of a suction so the supports were there but the actual piece had fallen off oh back into the resin yeah so, yeah. yeah I mean it is it is it's not. I was going to say it's not as easy as using a paper printer, but we've all used paper printers and they still kind of stink in 2020. They're not great. Like I just tried printing something recently, like a receipt, something I bought online. I wanted to print the receipt and uh, I, my printer upstairs was just like, nah, I'm not, I'm not taking any uh, new, uh, any, any new business today. Thank you. And so uh, that's, you know, that's just the way it kind of works. Um, but yeah, the, 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 you know, the UV stuff is cool. It's uh, it's got a, a lot of, um, super high detail and things like that. And it can be very smooth. But again, it's also something you want to do small pieces with. You wouldn't want to do a big terrain piece with it, I would think, because of partially the cost, which is there's a bunch of different downsides to both of these uh, types of printing, right? Um, right. Like with like with FDM, like with the fil- filament type of printing, what kind of downsides are there generally? Um, one uh, is real. depends on your environment or where you are. Like if you're mm-hmm. going to have an FDM, you can't just go stick it out in your garage or in your basement um, or attic um, and just be completely fine there all the time, uh, depending on where you live. 
because temperature, especially temperature changes or mm-hmm. humidity can really, depending on what material you're using, can really affect it. Um, you can get some materials that are a little bit better at, you know, preventing humidity issues. Um, you can also uh, use like a food dehydrator to, and they actually have filament dehydrators, which are basically food dehydrators just renamed so that people buy them more. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, dry yeah, like the, I mean, the, the, the tip is what gets hot so that mm-hmm. the filament as it goes through gets melted so that it can be fluid and then be kind of pushed onto the places. And you get very, very specific about the actual temperature. So if all of a sudden your basement, in my case, is in the winter in the 50s, whereas in the summer it's in the high 60s, early, you know, low 70s, yeah. that variance, just the room temperature will cause differences you, yeah, and changes it's, it's in your print. Bad. Like long changes aren't too bad, but like mm-hmm. say you have it sitting there and people are walking by it or a door opens or a window's open or stuff like that, a sudden mm-hmm. change will oh, okay. uh, it causes it to react more and suddenly you'll have a your adhesion will will fail so the the layers aren't sticking together and then the suddenly you get sp- what they call spaghetti um it's oh yeah sticking, i've seen that you get the string everywhere it just goes um, all over the place yeah yeah or you know it gets too hot all of a sudden and then you've got some over melting and warping and lifting and stuff from mm-hmm. the corners and stuff like that which you know, kind of basically ruins it as well. So, yeah, you know, yeah. there's ways to get around that. You can do like um, the Ikea lac tables, which are the small like end tables that cost like $10 US yeah. um, in, in, with glass windows. And, and there's a few other things that people. Yeah, people to. are. Well, and again, these are generally crafty people to begin with because they're getting into this whole concept of 3D, right. 3D printing. So they are building their own kind of like table to put the 3d printer on and they're putting sides on it so it stays a little bit more temperature uh or a little bit less temperature variant which makes a lot of sense um so yeah and then humidity is is also a thing i know that the filament that i have purchased has always come in like a vacuum sealed type of bag yeah and you get the little uh uh, silicone gel uh, gel packets Mm -hmm. yeah and And again that's to keep it dry because otherwise it will sort of swell a little bit if it's kind of humid right Yep, and then it, when it melts, it melts inconsistently. It will even pop. There's that moisture coming out of it, kind of like if you've uh, been around a campfire with wet wood, where it's popping, mm. cracking, and stuff. It'll yeah. actually do that inside, which is not good. Not good for the for the overall process. Yeah, usually not. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and, and then and it, and then you know, overall, the FDM printers, I feel they're like they're getting better they're get like every model that comes out is is easier and better and stuff like that but there are so many mods and tweaks to try to get depending on what you're trying to print to print well that I, you can when do you, and, when you I first started that, getting into fdm i just remember all the like little tiny packages of springs and little tiny packages of nuts and bolts and different changes in mod and you were kind of almost trying to hot rod it a little bit and i think yeah. that a lot of people trying to squeeze as much performance out of FDM printers as possible do that. Like I, my FDM printer, I just like align the plate or whatever calibrate and that's, and I right. don't otherwise touch it. But then also I don't get maybe necessarily prints that are as good as yours, but I am just looking for something. Whereas with, it seems with resin, there's not nearly any kind of hot rotting. It's pretty much. Not, not really. I mean, yeah, you can use yeah. some different different chemicals and different cleaning processes and different resins. But oh no, it's, I mean, like from print, like the first time I printed, it took me less than 30 minutes 
to print and it came out spectacular the first time and there's been like you mean from the time that you set it up till the time that you started printing yeah yeah um and so it's been pretty much you know hands off of that after that um like i even like when it went into the modeling program that slices everything up to the proper slices and you know entered the times that the resin thing had on the side of the resin for times curing times for like first layer and additional layers Entered those times in and, and then was like, yeah, that pretty much is all I had to do. Whereas, like, I am still tweaking everything on my filament, to, you know, depending on what I'm using for material. Like, I was printing out some earbands so that I was using a product called TPU, which is kind of more rubbery. So it's mm -hmm. flexible. Um, so I was doing, like, the ear savers things that go behind your ears for the masks. So oh, the, for, the, like, yeah. Behind like, your ears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, like, the coronavirus so, masks and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and then I was like, and because I had that, I was printing up some stuff for a friend. Um, they had a piece that well, they bought an RV that they're overhauling and there's some pieces they needed um, that I could, I figured out how to model and print. And, mm -hmm. but that flexible thing was completely different animal than, you know, the other stuff I've used. And yeah, so I know I could, I could see that. Like there was, the, and so I was looking up, I was having a specific issue where I was, it was crinking and I was trying to figure out why and found that, yeah, there's parts I can 3D print to make it print a little bit better. Uh, of course, that's, and that's the thing. You just keep printing parts for parts to build more parts. <laughs> so. I mean, I, I knew a guy uh, that, again, the earlier days of 3D printing, like he bought a small, relatively inexpensive printer, and then he used it to print new parts to basically build a bigger printer. Like that's what he did. Like he's into, you know, tinkering and he's an electronics yeah. person and all that stuff. And so this was, this was easily still probably five, six years ago. And he bought up, he was like one of the first people I knew who had a 3D printer. The first thing he did with his 3D printer was build himself a bigger 3D printer. So he just, you know, printed the parts that he needed and then went to the hardware store to buy like those long, kind of screws basically that you know make the stepper motors and you've got to buy the stepper motors and you got to buy the wire but all the structure and stuff like that you could 3d print so yeah um it's kind of interesting like it and so you know we talked a little bit about um downsides with the fdm style printers what about with uh uv resin style printers so the main thing that people complain about with the resins is the like the smell and the chemicals being used it's a lot more toxic than uh most of your fdm like some of the mm -hmm. FDM, like some of the exotic stuff, you can get into concerns because of your temperatures. You have to melt that. And it's basically like that. melting it. Yeah. And so you can get some vapors. And vapors, like if, especially if you're doing like, I believe like ABS and stuff like that. But yep. most, you know, 95% of the users out there don't have to worry about that. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas um, resin, at least right now, that's pretty much across the board. Um, you're, you've got a strong smell. You've got chemicals. I usually needed to wear, uh, you know, gloves, which, mm -hmm. uh, and that's the one thing that is like the coronavirus is like set back 3D printing prices back like six months because a lot of like the materials and stuff, you know, because they're cleaning everything with IPA and wearing right. gloves and all and wearing masks, all and, that stuff and, is hard and, to find. Gloves and isopropyl alcohol were both, and they're still not easy to find, but they were real hard to find back and in like May. IPA is still super, super expensive. Like mm -hmm. normally, like pre-COVID, uh, for resin printing, you would just take a big bottle of, you know, gallon bottle of IPA, and that's what you'd dunk all your stuff in. And then after, you know, a few weeks, you would just 
dump it out and you know get another bottle because it costs mm-hmm. a couple dollars. And now, I mean, you're probably like 20, 30 bucks for a, for a gallon if you can even find it that big. And what's the percentage on the, the isopropyl alcohol? Like usually you're, you're doing like 90%. Okay. I believe because I saw a bottle beef. This is pre-COVID. I saw a bottle at a hardware store of ninety-nine percent. That was a yeah, gallon right. bottle, but it was like twenty-three bucks, and that was even back then. I mean, now yeah. you probably can't even find it. But you don't need the ninety-nine percent stuff to do the cleaning here. You need stuff that's above ninety, roughly. Well, yeah, I think it might be ninety-nine. I don't. I. I honestly, I haven't used it because I when I started getting into resin was around mm-hmm. COVID, so I went right to um, the water curable, uh, washable. Water washable, yeah. So that's the thing too, that that there's a newer kind of um, uh, resin out there that you don't have to clean with alcohol, you can clean it with water. Yeah, and it's more expensive. Like you're talking like nearly, probably double for the resin, if not even slightly more than that, uh, depending on which resin you get. Uh, But, When you factor in all the stuff I'm not using for chemicals and the smells a lot less there. Like um, if I'm not in the immediate vicinity, I don't smell it. Um, yeah. I've heard that too, is that the water washable stuff has less of an odor. Plus I made sure I like, I paid extra and get the, the pro I use the Elegoo Mars. I paid a little bit extra. got the pro model because it has a charcoal uh, filter built into it. Uh, oh, air to, filter. Yeah. Yeah. So it cleans it coming out already there too. So mm-hmm. most, most of the time, I don't really smell it except for when I'm, you know, cleaning a print or, you know, filling up or whatever. Um, sure. So not not nearly as bad. Um, and then, you know, when I figure in, like, the cost of not having the chemicals and, you know, all the extra gloves and stuff that I don't have to use all the time, it, it for me, it came out to about a wash, you know. Yeah, no, I can see that. No. I mean, like, the, the not having to have the, the, the isopropyl alcohol, not having to have like so much concern about sticky resin all over the place. Um, and yeah, and you're right. And the smell, like, honestly, for me, I made a video about this on my YouTube channel a year or so back uh, about how I wasn't really planning on buying a resin printer because the smell was kind of a big deal. And I don't have, like, I, I would have to put it in the basement and then it would kind of, you know, cause some issues in th- throughout the house. And we've got some cats. They can't, you know, just go yeah. and open a window though as much as they wish they could. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's that. But now with the water washables now and the prices keep coming down and all this new stuff and the air filters and stuff, I'm always like, oh God, you know, so it's, it's but it's, uh, you know, it, it is another hobby. That's another big deal for people to understand is it's not just, even though resin printing, would you say that resin printing is easier than FDM printing? Um. To get what like to get maybe what the quality is that you're thinking of when you're like oh mm-hmm. I'm gonna be apprentice, I would say it's easier uh, and quicker for a person to get through it um, once they've got the process figured out. Um, but yeah, like you're not doing as many mod- you're not really doing a lot of modifications and everything else. So it's mm-hmm. it seems a little bit more user friendly at that point. On the uh, back but, end, there's more cleaning up and curing and all that kind of stuff. But on the front end, there's less adjusting yeah, server you, motors and all right. that jazz. Yeah, the leveling is a lot easier. Um, mm. It's it's ridiculously easier. Um, yeah. It's also, is it faster as well than, than normal? I mean, obviously, well, you're, you're generally printing things that are smaller. It, but the, the it, thing is, is the plate can image across the entire plate all in the same right. time. Whereas right. with so, a 3D really, printer... 
with filament, it has to draw every layer. And so if you have a lot of stuff on the layer, it has to draw every layer. Whereas with the light, it's just shine the light and yeah, then stop. Exactly. So yeah, the yeah. filament printer, the more mass that you're printing, the longer it takes. Mm -hmm. Resin printing is really just the height. Um, yeah. Like if I print one little pole that sticks way up in the air that's, you know, a quarter of a millimeter thick, little, right. you know, versus, you know, a giant, you know, a bunch of log stumps that are, you know, two meters, two millimeters high, the log stumps are going to get done way faster because it doesn't have to go as many layers. It takes, right, exactly. You know, no, like for filament, it usually you don't fill up your print area all the time. Except unless you're like, oh, this is going to be running overnight, so I'm going to run 10 hours, and I'm okay with it running overnight because sure. I follow all the safety precautions and other disclaimers that I probably need to mention. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you know, it you, normally you'll be like, oh, I'm just going to print this one thing because it'll be faster. Whereas the resin, you're like, well, I might as well just print everything, and you know, it's, it's right around, around the same height. It's not going to affect your time at all. Because printing one tiny thing that's an inch high versus printing an entire plateful of tiny things that are one inch high takes the same amount of time because, again, mm -hmm. it's a vertical. So, yeah, whereas, yeah, you're right. With um, something that's 3D printed, if it's a really tiny thing and you want to print one of them, it will be way faster than trying to print 10 of them all on the same plate because it has to go through and draw each one separately. So, yeah, um, yeah so that's something to think about as well, depending on what you want to do with it. So what do you uh, what do you think? Like, um, do you think that like for good printers to start with? Let's say you were going to spend, I don't know, um, two to three hundred bucks. Let's say, yeah, you know, so you're not going to go crazy really and spend awesome. five thousand, but yeah, really, that I mean, for under three hundred dollars, that's uh, really where you could get a quality that you're really going to like. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, I my first printer was an Ender Creality from Creality Ender Three um, Pro, um, and that was a filament printer. Yeah, filament printer. So. Mm -hmm. The filament printer, um, they now actually have the um, uh, Ender 3 V2 out, mm -hmm. which is, I was talking about all the modifications that I'm doing. Right. A lot of the common modifications are actually come pre-done on the next one. Um, I mean, it kind of makes sense. If everybody out there is taking your product and tweaking it in this way, then the next time you make that same product or a version two of that product, just co-opt all those ideas. Yeah. I mean, it just and makes sense. And it's, I think, still, I think it's, they're, they're still coming out like ten dollars cheaper than what I bought my original one for. So it's oh, interesting, which is crazy. So because all the prices just keep coming down. So you can even buy one of the ones like I have or the other V one for less, um, mm -hmm. which is pretty awesome. Uh, and yeah, it's got like some of the stuff like that I did. Like I did belt tighteners. Like you normally you would have to like manually stretch it and tighten the Allen screws down. I did you know like ones that I could thumb screw. Uh, Titan. Now th that comes with it. Um, some of the fans and stuff are a little bit better. Um, I believe the quiet running board is standard now too. Um, so when you I say board, you mean like a motherboard? Yeah, the motherboard. So yeah. like uh, one, the motherboard I replaced on mine. Like so, normally for the three D printers, they make a lot of noise with the stepper motors whirling up and down. Yeah. Yep. Now. Right now, the uh, mine are mine's completely silent except for the fans. Huh. And, and that that's was just a, a different motherboard giving different instructions, so the stepper motors work differently. Yeah, they figured out a way to properly send current to the stepper motors in a way that kept them from making sound. And making yeah, so much I noise. mean, 
I thought it was like, oh, I thought it was like, oh, silent. But it's it's silent. Like there's yeah, yeah. no noise coming from other than like, you know, the physical sound of, the, you know, stuff moving. Sure. But you do not hear the whir of the stepper motors anymore. So it cut down like 15 decibels off the sound of my 3D printer, which wow, nice. Not insignificant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Especially in the house or whatever. Yeah. So it used yeah. to be that I could hear it all the time upstairs, and now um, I can kind of hear the fan if I listen to it. Um, yeah. And you can te- you know go for a lighter fan too. But from my understanding, fans usually are the noise is kind of proportional to the amount of air they're moving. So mm-hmm. to get really quiet, you're actually hurting the amount of air, which is not always a good thing. Sure. So I've I've kind of just been like, it's good enough for me. But yeah, I mean, you expect there to be some sound. It is manufacturing things out right. of basically a big strip of plastic. So I mean, there's mm-hmm. something. You know, I get that. So um, big tangent, but yeah, I recommend yeah, yeah. Reality and Ender Three, and you know, there's some other ones out there that you might want to look at. But that's got a great community around it. Lots of mods. Lots of uh, support um, for yeah. that. So I would start there if you're going to FDM. Um, and then if you're going with the resin, uh, I, I I love my Elegoo uh, Mars. Um, I've got the Pro, and now there's a Elegoo Mars version 2, I believe is coming out this month mm-hmm. uh, for basically the same price as the Pro. has a lot of the features that I wanted with the Pro with like the filter um, and stuff like that. So... Um, and I believe actually it's <clears throat> a monochromatic screen versus a true LCD screen, so mm-hmm. that it actually prints faster because it's uh, can do the the light better somehow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's probably yeah. I well, I don't exactly understand that, but yeah, it sort of. I guess it makes sense. It's got less to do because it's a monochromatic screen as opposed to a well, RGB it, screen. It's I suppose a true. It's a true like that color like the whatever mm-hmm. the like the white light versus red green blue trying to make white yeah i think I it's white faster and then um and you're also starting to see some of these resin printers now that are starting to talk about having 4k screens so that they're even finer detail because the screens are so the pixels are so much smaller i mean because that's really what you're doing is you're projecting a picture of the slice of each complete tiny little slice of the entire object onto the underside. Well, it's technically the top of the image because it's being pulled upside down out of the fluid. And so the higher resolution that that image can be, the less you're going to see little tiny potentially pixels. I don't know what you would call them in that situation, but yeah, Yeah, you can get a lot smoother transitions and stuff like that. And just like TV screens, you know, Mm -hmm. the 4K, depending on how big you're printing, may or may not even be noticeable for sure right <clears throat> sort of like phones when they went to like the retina screen and then like the super retina you know like right yeah for me i was like yeah i can't really tell but gets to a point where yeah it's a diminishing returns and you can't tell the really, difference yeah it looks really good but yeah uh, yeah so like we probably won't i don't know we, i don't know if we'd ever see any 8k screens on um printers especially when you've got a build plate that's only like a five by seven or whatever you know i mean it kind of seems but they are, well and that's the other thing they are getting bigger now like elegoo's got the saturn um yep that's in limited release right now but that's like a that's about the same size as the enders build plate i think it's a 200 by 200 whereas yeah. the ender is like 220 by 220 so i mean darn near fdm so, size but you're going to need a lot more resin and the whole deal and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
So yeah, but uh, but yeah, if you do want to print either more stuff quickly, uh, or if you want to print just things that are physically larger, then yeah, I think we're going to see more of that. Like right, you're right. Like right now, most resin printers are like on the desktop. They are uh, what are they? Maybe a foot square by maybe two feet high, or a little bit bigger than that. Uh, two hundred. See, I'm all. I've I'm gone fully metric now. So I'm just talking about the machine itself. The overall, like how much space it takes on the desktop. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Foot by two foot square for an FDM, mm-hmm. uh, probably foot and a half foot to foot and a half wide. You know, square by twice that for yeah for uh, resin. Hmm. Okay. And then like so uh, yeah, they don't take up tons of space, but. And did you see? You saw the? Did you? I send you that thing with the new uh, Creality printer, the end, like the, the where it has no height restriction. I don't know. How does it not have a height restriction? You got the. So it's all oh, it's it's. I mean, technically, it probably does, but I, I mean, like the ceiling, I, I suppose. It well, it's it's built. They built it onto a conveyor belt. So versus huh. the build plate is a conveyor belt, and it's built at like an angle so it's building everything at like a 45 and feeding it down on the conveyor belt so it can just keep going um and they showed it like it could print like you know eight of the same models just again and again and again and again or it can print super super tall models on that like we're we are frankly in just the beginning of this whole shebang with uh with the the 3d printing and uh, because of that, we're, you know, we're going to look back in five years at this stuff and just be like, wow. <coughs> Excuse yeah, me. it's going to yeah. be like looking at dial-up modems and like, hey, remember oh, when yeah, we, yeah. we had to do this thing versus, you know, just like I just yelled at my, print, my you know, I, I went to Renegade's website and print and said, give me Power Rangers. And it just printed it to me. And I right, had yeah. power. I mean, we're in a situation, like I said, like right now, within the last year, year and a half, resin printers have changed wildly and, um, you know, and gotten cheaper and better and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, we're going to keep seeing this accelerating. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that you should be like, well, I'm going to wait till the best one comes out because that's that's not going to happen. It's just like my dad was always like, I'm going to wait till they make the best computer and then we'll buy that one. Um, Anything now. It, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. But it's a situation of... Um, yeah, like just kind of deciding at which point, you know, you've decided. And again, I would tell you, if you're interested, do a bunch of research and also ask your friends and see if they have them. Because if you just want to get a printer because you want to print some things, you might just want to, you know, get those STL files to your friend and say, hey, can you print these? And then you pay your friend and then that's and you don't need to worry about it. But if you are interested in the process and you see yourself making this maybe even like a little kind of a side business if you want to go down that road or you just really love the ability to find cool stl files for all kinds of things out there i mean there's lots and lots of patreons that you can get involved with where there are people who are sculptors digital sculptors who like every month you 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 pay them eight bucks and you get 10 new models and they're like dungeons and dragon style models and so you can go oh that's really cool and you can help to support them plus you can get all kinds of cool stuff um, but there's also places, uh, my mini factory is one that I can think of where you can buy like mm-hmm. a la carte models from a lot of those actual, those Patreons, like a couple months yeah. after the Patreon. They're, they're really good quality. Yeah. And they almost always cost money on there. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend those as being your first ones out the gate usually because they're a little bit more finicky. Um, they can be, yeah, certainly. But the, I mean, phenomenal looking models. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
but there's also other companies out there like, um, well, I mean, if you're talking about free generally, Thingiverse is probably one of the biggest out on the internet. And it is kind of just like you type in words and then you get STLs. Like you just, it's a big, huge search engine for all these crazy STLs. And yeah, usually, I, are they, are they usually, all free or are they mostly free? Thingiverse is all free. Okay. All right. And then like, and there's, and it's uh, even, it's almost like it's, it's kind of like GitHub as far as like, it's, I mean, well, GitHub does have a paid ball. But as far as like it's free, and then you can like there's people that go and take a design and they'll and tweak it, tweak it and make it slightly different or modify mm -hmm. it and make it better, and it's a bunch of yeah, of cool stuff. It's got an open source kind of vibe to it, definitely. Yeah, and plus also people post pictures of like, hey, this is the file that that's here, and this is what I did with it when I printed it, and you know, I didn't even tweak it, but this is how it looks, and I painted it or whatever that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, good comment section where you can ask yeah. the creator of the file about pr printing or, or and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then if you want to start making your own kind of 3D sculpts to some degree, um, the one place that both you and I have started with is uh, something called Tinkercad, uh, CAD, C-A-D for Computer Aided Design. Is that what CAD stands for? Yep. Okay. So Tinkercad runs in a browser. So it works on anything that has a browser. It uh, works on you know, Mac, Linux, Windows, whatever. And yeah. uh, you know, and it's free. And then that's probably the only main drawback. I mean, one, it's not super, super detailed. It's, you know, it sure. is more of a simplistic one. Mm -hmm. um, but it is online only versus, you know, like a SketchUp or... Sure, part. yeah. Like if you don't have any um, internet or something like that, it's, it's yeah. problematic. But it, otherwise, yeah. And, and But it is also a good place to start, too. Honestly. Yeah, I would definitely start there. And then Blender is really good for doing more like organic modeling um, mm -hmm. and stuff like that or yeah. more high-end modeling. But even if you're just trying to like build a weird part, like you've got some game and it just needs, you know, a special kind of divider, you could easily do something like that in, in Tinkercad. Um, uh, you know, all kinds of different little pieces and things like that you can kind of start with and get your ID, get, get it under your belt, figure out kind of how 3D modeling works and all that kind of stuff. And then if you really start to dig it, then maybe you move into some other software um, yep. and that kind of thing, you know, and then maybe eventually you have a Patreon and then you make a whole bunch of money. I was looking at one not too long ago, a company called Titan Forge, I think, out of Poland. Yep. And they've got like a $10 Patreon. So for 10 bucks every month, you get 20 to 30 new models every month in STL format that you can then download okay. and print. And they've got like, last I looked, and this was maybe a couple of months ago, they had like 6,000 people signed up at 10 bucks a head. So that's 60 grand a month that they're making on this, you know? I mean, admittedly, it's not just one person. It's a, it's a group. Right. So there's salaries and stuff that needs to be paid and everything. And, but it, but it's, it's a great way for 3D printer or sorry, 3D sculptor folks to be able to be like, I just want to sell directly to the end user. There never used to be that. You always had to work with a client to 3D sculpt something that they were going to get 3D printed and then turn into injection molded plastic and it was going to end up in a game or something. Yeah. So yeah. it's very cool. Yeah, if you're a pro, if you're out there, if you're you know a game designer, this is a great way to prototype some stuff. Oh into yeah, your game. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm really interested in seeing somebody produce a PDF downloadable game that also sells with PD well with STL downloadable files. So you basically, right, I can I can ship you the entire miniatures game via email, and you get it you know in the middle of the night while right, asleep. Oh, I'm okay. sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. But the Fat but, Dragon Games, the one uh, one of the ones I use, they have a mm -hmm. full war war game. Uh, all the models they're actually on the version two of the game uh, with kind of they've 
kind of redid some of their models uh, and was feedback and redid those. And yeah, the rules are all on, online and everything. Oh, so you got a rule set too? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I know that there's there's plenty of PDF only kind of rule sets out there, and I'm just like, eventually somebody's going to do both at the same time versus yeah, no, rules yeah, over here. models there, and uh, I'll have yeah. to look into that. Yeah, it's and their models are pretty cool because I believe it's still true for that game, but all their their normal models, um, like their figures and stuff, are all uh, support uh, supportless. Um, they're, so they're so, like s- sculpted in a way that they don't need supports, really. Absolutely, yeah, and they're yeah, made yeah. for FBM printers. So, oh. if you you know, even if you print like I've got a dragon from their last Kickstarter, I've got a big cool dragon coming that looks amazing, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't have to put any supports in it, and I can print it on my filament printer. Wow, like a b- bunch of different multiple parts, or is it all one piece? It is one piece. That'll be crazy. I'm interested in seeing that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's a if you're if you're interested in this type of stuff, now isn't a pretty interesting time to be alive because there's so much that's going on yeah. in the world of three D printing. Oh, there's, yeah, um, and like within every, tabletop. Every, yeah, every six months you see new stuff that somebody's figured out. Like, uh, like the, there's you know a way out there to modify your printer now so that rather than having the little lines that make it look like a um, a map, what is those types of maps? Uh, topographical map. Topographical map. So rather than making your filament printers look, prints look like that, if they've got curves to it, it actually follows the curves. When it's oh printing. yeah, 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 yeah. So instead of being just all the lines being completely straight, the lines actually follow. So I've seen so, that. Yeah, the print head actually moves up and down as it moves along the. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that, it, and that you, just helps to hide those 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 kind of very straight lines that can really kind of break up and make an organic shape not look very organic. Yeah, like yeah, in that, you, you showed me that. That was very cool. Yeah, some guys just kind of hypothesized it, figured it out, and then I believe the Prusa software, um, which is open source, um, mm-hmm. included it within like a week. Somebody had it in there. So right, yeah, because that's the thing is that's literally just a software fix. Like the machine could already do that; they just didn't have the software for it. And now they do. So yeah, yep. no, that's that's very interesting. That, that that stuff is really neat, and and it's. Again, because things are so digital in that place that, yeah, they can move very quickly and you can see results very quickly, which is cool. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you got anything else about 3D printing, Matt? I could talk all day, but... I'll... Yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. For getting started, I think we've done well. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So it's something to look at, definitely, if you're interested. Or, like I said, if you got a friend, maybe start looking at who's got the 3D printing stuff already. you got a 3D printer as opposed to just having a friend. I mean, it's nice to have a friend, but it's even nicer if they've got a 3D printer. But you could also start looking at a lot of the STL files that are out there and a lot of the, the different places. Because, like, there's, you know, there's so many models that you can get at your local game store. But there's a near infinite number more uh, from uh, the internet now that you can get that do maybe exactly specifically what you want as opposed to you know um, uh, you know just buying whatever they have that's close enough at the game store so right that's very cool all right well thanks again for listening to this episode of the game Four podcast if you've got questions or comments and you're watching on youtube please leave a comment below if you're listening via your favorite podcast player or just aren't into the whole youtube comment section thing then you can feel free to reach out to us via email at podcast at imgame4.com you can also find us on facebook instagram and twitter and check out our website at www.imgame4.com that is www.iamgameforcom thanks thanks